to know with Matt Stoboff. Of course, I am your host, Matt Stoboff. No surprise there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again to another great episode. Uh, in store today, this is what you need to know's first woman guest. Uh, we'll definitely have more in the future. Uh, this is Emily Milliron. Uh, she works for Morning Brew, which is a uh, online newsletter. She's a video editor and producer for them. And you may be wondering, Matt, if, if I know right, Morning Brew is not a sports company, not in the sports media industry. So why are you interviewing someone that's not in the sports industry? Well, before that, Emily uh, worked at CBS Sports HQ. And even before that, uh, she worked as an M&J out in Bangor, Maine. So she's a she's Philly born and raised, so a huge Philly sports fan is what you know, gave her the passion to work in the sports industry in the first place. Um, so we kind of go into detail with that, her time, like I said, working in Maine and also working for CBS Sports HQ, uh, what she did for the past four years there. Um, we're going to just go into great detail, you know, just about her journey and also why she left the sports industry in the first place uh, and now working for Morning Brew and if she, uh, you know, misses it and is looking to go back uh, in her future of her career. Um, so we go through, through all that detail and it's just, you know, just another great guess. Um, you know, Emily's a lot of fun. So we had, I had a blast doing this interview with her and, um, you know, I'm, I'm wishing great things and, um, you know, I think she's gonna do awesome at Morning Brew. So without further ado, here is Emily Milliron, like I said, producer and editor for Morning Brew and enjoy the interview. All right, everyone. So, uh, welcome Emily Milliron, uh, a dear friend of mine who I've known for years. She is a producer and editor for Morning Brew. Which would be a good description? What would be a good description for Morning Brew? Uh, so Morning Brew, we're we're fairly new. Um, the company itself is about seven years old. We are a business and tech news company, media outlet, um, where we and you know we go into sports too. We we whatever is newsy and relevant, um, we kind of take and especially the overwhelming topics like the stock market or NFTs or anything like mental health, like stuff like that. And we break it down in a way that's really accessible and like um, millennials especially want to engage with. So I just started with them about two weeks ago. Oh, so you're telling me you don't work in sports media. Uh, I think I made the wrong <laughs> guess, guys. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I've known Emily I for, for a very long time. <laughs> a very long time. Emily was in, was in sports media for a super long time. Um, we've known each other. Uh, we both worked and attended a broadcasting camp um, out in Philly and um, and kind of over the Northeast. So we've known each other for a while. Um, we both have lived up in Connecticut uh, as well. So we see each other frequently. But yes, Emily uh, works at Morning Group. Before that, she worked at CBS Sports HQ and was also an M&J out in Bangor, Maine. Uh, so we're going to go through all that and more. Uh, but we got to start at the way beginning. If you know Emily... Philly is in her blood. Uh, born and raised Philly? I know, definitely raised. Yeah, well, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, um, okay. in Pennsylvania. Then I went I went to Temple. Um, and I'm probably one of the most Philadelphia people you ever meet in your entire life. So, yeah. as you know. Uh, I, yeah, unfortunately, as a <laughs> fan, I do know. And it's, it's not always pleasant. But I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, so, Emily, you, you know, Philly sports are in your blood. And, and, and you know, what kind of – how did that come into fruition? Like, is your family a huge sports fan? Like, how did you grow that that passion um, growing up? You know, what's so funny is like my my parents, my dad likes sports, but he was never like a diehard sports person. Um, 
I think the as much to your dismay as a Mets fan, the the Phillies in like 2008, you know, that 2006 through 2011 team, I really fell in love with sports. Um, my aunt's a huge sports fan. Um, she took me to every Eagles home opener since I was 10. Um, and like, it's just kind of one of those things where like, I just, I loved it. I love stats. I loved, um, the players and their, their backstories. And I just think it's, you know, I still obviously do like it's, I think they're just the best, you know, it's a great escape from reality. <laughs> yeah. Some of my fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm a Met fan, a giant fan, of course, Emily's two favorite teams are the two teams I hate the most and yeah. the Eagles. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. So, okay. So you, you, you went to a lot of games obviously. Um, and you kind of just grew this passion for it early on. Oh, eight. I mean, those were, you know, 2007, 2008, especially in Philly sports is pretty good time. Even on the football side, uh, baseball, obviously they won the world series and were pretty competitive and then went to the world series two in Oh nine. Um, so just for you, so just, you know, I guess you just, you said you grew up right outside of Philly. So what was kind of your moment where, you realize like, Hey, I think I want to do this for a living. You know, that's a good question. I don't think there was a specific moment. I think when I was like in fifth or sixth grade, um, I just was watching the Eagles all the time. And I remember looking at my dad and being like, you know, cause everybody asks you, especially that age, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, it's just like such an opening line as a kid, you know? And like, my dad was like, I, I remember looking at my dad and being like, how can I like do this? Like, how can I love sports and like make a life out of it? You know? Um, and he was like, you should just be a sports reporter. And so like, if like I open up like my yearbooks from when I was like in sixth grade, um, like it says like my name and then like what you want to be when you grow up. And it literally said sports reporter, um, friend of mine sent it to me like years, years ago. And she was like, it's so cool that you're still like wanting to do this or doing it, you know? And I was like, yeah, that is pretty crazy. Um, was it something your parents like, kind of always yeah. supported? Yeah. Was it, was something yeah, your parents kind of, Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they, sorry. Yeah, they did support me. Um, which, it, but I also understood, understood that like it's as you know too. It's so important to network and like meet people. And I think that's like you know you and I know each other from the sports broadcasting camps. Like those camps and like not only the people that come in and speak, but also the the people you make friends with. Um, you know, I was, um, I was ingrained in me in a very young age like if you want to do this you got to know the right people you know because like shy guy gets none you got to be you got to chase it and be successful um so like mark zumoff who's was the sixers play-by-play guy he came and spoke at my high school um when i was like in 10th or 11th grade i think and um i remember going right up to him afterwards and being like can i come shadow you at a sixers game and he said yes and that was when the sixers were like 12 win team you know um so the sixers like yeah, so the Sixers were playing the Clippers, and, like, I got to go for a night and shadow him, and it was, like, you know, I, I'm still in touch with him today. So, like, the, the, those are the things where it's, like, my parents always supported me, but they knew I wanted it bad enough where I was going to go get it, you know? And, you know, it's so important, especially, like, in high school like that. Like, when those opportunities do come, when a guy like Mark Zinoff, a play-by-play announcer for an NBA team, is 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 visiting or speaking at, like, your high school or, you know, kind of wherever, if you have the opportunity to meet those guys and – if there's any way you can connect with them now that's that's very generous of him yeah i would almost really say ballsy was. for you to ask to shadow him that, that's pretty great <laughs> well that's what's great about being so young and dumb you're just like can i do this right. and he's like yeah you, you know you have yeah you have no idea and you're going into a, yeah you're gonna go into a 
huge arena. You're going to, you're going to sit with him or wherever you sat and you're going to watch him do, do this incredible event. Uh, Cause the, any, right. any NBA event really is, but yeah, like you almost like exactly like you're kind of young, dumb and naive and you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like, especially in that young, what you, if you do ask, you never really know what like the answer is going to be. Like, it could be no. No, and like I, even like Jim Jackson, who does the Flyers play-by-play stuff. I met him um, at the sports broadcasting camps, you know, and I still remember him giving me his email. I still remember the email, you know, and like he reached out to me when I took this new job to catch up and talk to me then, you know. And it's like those are the things. Like if you network, especially at a younger age, which would be my biggest advice to anybody. Like the younger you are, the more genuine for lack of a better term, you appear to be, even if you might be genuine anyway, but like, you know, like you really want to do it when you're a kid, people are a lot more willing to help you as you're growing up than they are when you're just like, you know, later in life, they're like, Oh, they just want a piece of the pie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. I a hundred percent agree. And like I said, I think you're such a good example. And as we get into this, your story more and more, just the connections you've made, you've made a million bajillion connections. You're one of the most well-connected people I know in sports media for, and, and pretty much all, you know, all your credit. So, um, I think it's, it's great stuff and it is that important. You know, like I, like I said before, you never really know, like you right. could ask Bob Costas, Hey, what can I do? Like, can you get me into Syracuse? And maybe he'll say yes. Like you, you just never know. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, give it a shot. Um, so anyway, so now you're, you're you know, you're, so you're going into high school now. Um, and this is obviously something you want to do. Like you said, you were in sixth grade in middle school and kind of had this idea, like, hey, I, w- I kind of want to do this for a living. So what, w- what were some of the things you did in high school that kind of got you involved in media, sports media, like whatever, like just kind of got you going um, in- into this business? Well, I was really lucky that my high school had a really big television station, like in the high school. I went to North Penn High School, which is like probably the biggest, if not one of the biggest public schools in Pennsylvania. Um, so my senior year, I did this program called career study where I would spend half of my day working for the television station. Um, and that included, we would cover sports games. We would, um, cover regular events, produce programming for the local television station, all all sorts of things. Um, I anchored our morning news. Um, I did play by play for our football team, which was really cool. Um, and something I'll probably never, I've never you still had the, you still have the tape. Oh God. It's somewhere. I I've never really looked for, I can't even imagine what I said. It was kind of like the whole crew was like, Oh, like Emily loves sports. She'll do play by play. And I was like, I will like, you know, I, I love, I've always wanted to be a sports reporter, but play by play was that's David Korsnowski, you know, like I, I was like, Oh yeah. I'm not play by play. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's doing great stuff out in the Midwest, uh, doing play by play really all over. Um, so, uh, how big was your, so the crew was that big? We, well, my high school was about 3000 people. Um, that was just three grades and the TV station, the amount of people that worked for the TV station, you know, volunteering, it was probably around 20 or 30. So that's a pretty good number, you know, just for, no, that's a lot. Definitely. Um, just curious, how many girls were in it? Oh, (laughs) um, God, I'm trying to think. Well, it's funny because I mean, so many girls want to be on air. Right. So like for on air that you probably always had like half and half, you know, but behind the scenes producing wise, it was probably like probably like four girls and 15 guys, you know, but you had to do a little bit of everything, but it was definitely more, more guys, especially involved in the sports part. 
did that ever seem intimidating to you? That there were so many, just just like a lot more guys. Like you know, I'm actually, I'm even honestly surprised even four girls were doing it in high school. Yeah, that, honestly, I was surprised honestly, by that. Like I think that. I should have been more intimidated, but I wasn't. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like my whole life. It's just like, if you know what you're talking about, you kind of merit respect and people don't really question you. Do you know what I mean? I think in, in high school yep. when I was more insecure about like, as all high schoolers are, you're insecure about like everything. But like, as I grew up, um, you know, and I interned for the radio station, I worked in Maine and I worked at CBS Sports and predominantly with mostly dudes. Like it's just, it's never really been an awkward, like, the woman in the room thing, you know, as long as you know what you're talking about, people usually just treat you just the same. You know, I think that's so true. Just, you know, the people I've worked with and I, you know, even at NBC, it's pretty, you know, I, it's pretty 50, 50. It's, it's close. Right. I maybe not 50, 50, but it's, it's a lot. It's, it's pretty close. So, yeah. and it's exactly, you know what you're talking about? Like no one thinks twice about it. I think that stigma is going away slowly and slowly, but uh, we'll get it kind of, yeah, and, and we'll get into your story and just kind of more of what you've gone through and, you know, through college and, and post-college and all that and your professional life. Um, so we, we continue now in high school. So, you you know, you're, you're doing this. You're doing, you know, this sounds amazing, being able to do production. It was really the, cool, yeah. And it was a big, it seemed like a big production, right? Like it was relatively, like, pretty well organized for high school, it sounds like. Yeah, we had a production truck. We had a full-fledged control room. Um we had, we had everything. It was really, and I didn't really realize how much we had, um, until I like, Oh my God, you hear my cat. We went to temple. No, <laughs> we went to temp. I went to temple and they ran off of tape decks there and we had data servers at my high school. And I was like, what is going on? Like this, this is luxury. This is amazing. Yeah, it oh was crazy. Um, so my, my high school was awesome. Um, and I, you know, I'm still in touch with everybody there. Um, well, you just, go ahead. Yep. So, oh, okay. Really? So you, so a lot of people from high school are actually in the business. Matt, one of my co-anchors from high school is a correspondent for NBC news now. Like she's on the today show regularly. Like it's crazy. Another good friend of mine works for NBC. Another one works for the biggest local news station in Minnesota and runs their whole digital content department. Like it's nuts. Like the alumni that have come out of there. That's amazing. Oh my God. Uh, you know, that, that you sound like you're in the, the, you went to the sports media capital of the, <laughs> the Northeast, I would even say, I don't even know, just yeah, Philly, Philly area. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. So you spoiled my surprise that, you know, I've been doing, a, I've obviously had a ton of, uh, Arizona state guests. Um, and it's always a big deal when I don't have one on this show. Yeah. So <laughs> you went to temple, I did. uh, which is, an, it's an interesting one. We'll get into why I think. Um, cause I don't think it's everyone's first choice or would think of it as, as, as great of a media school as it is, but let's go into kind of, you know, your decision-making, like, why'd you want to go to Temple? Where else did you apply? What was that process like for you? And what were you looking for in school? Honestly, you know, I, a lot of people, re- I wanted, uh, Syracuse was probably at the top of my list. Cause everybody wants to go to Syracuse. If of course. Um, and then it was Temple and then it was, I applied to Penn State and Ohio State. Um, I got into Penn state first one main campus and I was like, all right, well, that's my backup. Um, and then I got into temple, eventually got into Ohio state and Syracuse. I was waitlisted and then accepted. And I remember I really wanted to go to Syracuse, but it was so expensive. And 
uh, my dad and I actually got in a big fight about it. And he was like, you should not like, you, you know, but you're setting yourself up for failure. And I was like, okay. So then I took a step back and I was like, you know, Temple at the end of the day, Temple's in an urban, it, it kind of came down between Temple and Penn State, as many kids in Pennsylvania does. Um, but Temple was in a city, you know, and I, I thought back to when I shadowed Zoom off at that game and I already knew him, you know, and I'm like, you know, if I can just make connections going to a city school, um, I got to be setting myself up for some sort of success, right? Um, so that's ultimately probably what w- weighed into my decision the most is like, you know, the, the setting of being in the city was probably really going to help my career. And honestly, I would not be where I am today if I had not gone to Temple. Like, it's crazy the things that uh, that happened uh, while I was there. Wow. So to give people context, if you don't know where Temple is, it's in North Philly, which, you know, it's not the greatest of areas. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you, you would know. Yeah, um, yeah. um, But it's in, it's downtown Philly. I mean, how close are you, like, how close is, like, the main center of campus to... Well, you know, and all the Philly sports radios are right next to each other too. So like basically like where Xfinity is, Wells Fargo, Lincoln Financial, like how close is Temple to the to that part of the so city? So Temple's in North Philadelphia and those those are in South Philadelphia, but it's a one like you get on the Broad Street line, which is the subway, and it's a 20, 25 minute ride. It's not, you know, it's not far at all. Okay. Wow. So so and, and mainly so it sounds like mainly your decision to go there was you're in that big city, you can make connections easily within the college route, within your school, and obviously with the professional teams and anything around it in Philly. Um, When looking at like maybe like an Ohio State where it's like, okay, you're in Columbus, but you're in this really big, like Big Ten prime college sports uh, atmosphere. Did that ever come across your mind? Was it, oh, maybe that's, you know, a better route? Was it always like, hey, this is the best way to make connections. I know connections are the most valuable thing in this business, as we kind of talked about before. Uh, and, and that's kind of what, what kind of steered you to really look at Temple and maybe kind of look away from the Ohio States, the Penn States that you applied to. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like my sister and brother-in-law got their master's degree at Ohio State. So I've been to Columbus a bunch of times, um, which is a big reason I thought about going. And I mean, the facilities there are amazing. I don't know if you've ever... I mean, it's I've never, like, yeah, I wish I've never yeah. been. Yeah. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but Penn state, you know, temple is kind of a, a, if you look at it population wise, smaller school, they have a great basketball program. I grew up cheering for big five basketball, you know, um, and to be able to be a part of that, um, you know, any sort of coverage I thought was just going to be so, so cool. Um, and so, you know, ultimately it was just like, you know, and plus like, I don't, I, Temple was great because it was, like you said, it's in Philadelphia. And so I was able to go away for college where it felt like I was much farther than I was. You know what I mean? Interesting. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Cause you're kind of like, you're so embroiled in the city life in a sense. Right. Uh, you're not in like your suburbs of where you were living. You're, you're kind of in a different atmosphere completely. So you're in Temple now. So when you first got there, what was the first set of clubs or classes that like kind of got you really hooked into, you know, getting, getting your sports media career going really um, to kind of get a jump start on it in college. Well, yeah. So I was a journalism major um, and I, my first semester as a freshman, I joined a student run television show called out sports update, which is basically just like, you know, sports center um, for temple. 
And um, Matt Rule, uh, Matt Rule was, it was his first year as Temple's head football coach when I started. Um, and Temple was so bad that year. My God, they had like two wins. It was like two and 11. Um, but like, I got to go as a freshman, you know, like I, <laughs> shy guy gets none, right? So I was like, I want to do stuff. You know, I want to be a reporter. I want to learn how to cut my own video. I want to do stuff. Um, and so I participated in the first couple of weeks and then I got to go on a road trip to Cincinnati with a couple of my friends and cover Temple playing football at Cincinnati, you know, like two or three months into to school, which was really awesome. This um, is your freshman year? Yeah, my freshman year. And so then you were, you were covering football that you you were covering football your freshman year. Yeah, because no, I mean, they were so bad, like, you know, and Temple, like, I will give them a lot of credit. Like the school, the school has just exploded in terms of, you know, now it's like kind of, it's a much more relevant communication school. Um, And I remember they had a, they had a sports journalism summit, which they do every year. And at the end they have a career fair. And I, again, miss, you know, I need to make connections. Um, I, (laughs) was walking around the career fair afterwards and I had a resume and it just had like my high school stuff on it and now sports update. You know, I didn't have that much on the resume, but like I was asking everybody there for an internship and they were all like, you got to be a junior or senior. And I was like, okay, lame. And then I went up to this guy at CBS sports, CBS sports radio table. And I introduced myself and I handed my resume and I was like, I would love if you guys had any internships I could take advantage of. Um, and CBS sports radio owned sports radio 94 WIP at the time which is the biggest sports talk station in Philly. Um, They carry the Phillies and the Eagles. And the guy was like, okay. And he gave me his card. He's like, just email me again. And I emailed him and had an interview for an internship. And I got a summer internship with Sports Radio WIP. And it turns out the guy I just went up to and introduced myself to formally, you know, I wasn't a bull, but I, you know, I definitely was like, hey, you know, Um, he was like the president of CBS radio in philadelphia <laughs> so uh, like so young like, and dumb where you're that seems to be your theme yeah so th- this guy was like hey she wants an internship you got to give it to her type of thing you know from my interpretation of it um so that's how i landed my first internship the summer after my all right year. so you have you've had a lot you had a lot of experience at temple so kind of what, what give us your whole list of internships and everything you did at temple what you did around the city like how what, how many jobs did you have or internships or experiences. Just give me, give give us, give us a list. Okay. So my freshman year, I got an internship with the Mike and Ike show at sports radio 94 WIP, which, um, was hosted by Ike Reese, who was a former Eagle that I grew up watching and Michael Barkan, who is like the sports voice of Philadelphia. You know, he works for now NBC sports, Philadelphia. He's been their main anchor for like probably close to 20 years now. And I remember walking into the room my first day. And I didn't know in what capacity I would be working with them. You know, like, what am I going to be behind in an office? You know, I didn't think I was going to be with them. And I remember walking in and like, they're sitting at a coffee table and like, I sat with them and went over the news every day. You know, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, Like I grew up watching these guys. So I did that for a summer. It was, it was awesome. Um, Eventually I started working part-time for that radio station as a promotions member. Um, so I did that all through college, which was really cool. Um, and then I did Al Sports Update, which was the student run TV station that I've mentioned before. And I was a reporter and an anchor for them. Um, and that was, yeah, I mean, I met some of my best friends there, you know, one of them, which helped me get the job at CBS where I previously was, um, actually two of them did, but 
I did that. We reported on everything. Like Matt Rule was at Temple the same time I was. Like, talk about crazy timing. Um, you, yeah, you you went through that. I mean, yeah, that, that's some pretty good stuff. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it was it was like the the stars had a line because you know, Temple who else was there? Like, um, Pete is it PJ? Who's the quarterback? I'm totally blanking. PJ right Walker, Dion Dawkins, um, Tyler Maticevich, Robbie Anderson. Hassan Reddick, like all of these like guys who are in the NFL now and doing really well, like were at Temple when I was. It's nuts. That's crazy, especially – and it, were they in the AAC at the time? Uh, American Athletic Conference, yeah. Yep, okay, gotcha. So, wow. So, yeah, so obviously, you know, Emily's had a ton of experience in college and did a lot of different things too. Um, and like you said, Alice, the update was great. Um, and, and that's honestly – we you know, now I've gotten to know a lot of Temple people over the years and they <laughs> rave about Al City up there. They really do. It's crazy. All, all the time. And you know, it's, and I'm, I'm not just saying this just to say this, but the way that you temple guys talk about it, it, it really, the, the camaraderie and like the friendships, it, there seems like the most friendly group of people every time I hear about it. Like everyone is really nice to each other for the most part. You let me know if I'm wrong. Um, for the and, most like, kind part, of just, yeah. Okay, I'll leave it for the most part. But there's a there's really is like a, a great bond I always see. Like people are always helping each other out. That's where a lot of people become friends and you know friends for life, really. Um, and like yeah, I said, you've met a lot so of I still have a group chat. It's like a group me with like literally twenty people that I did our sports update with. You know, and we all will just like randomly throw stuff in that chat all the time. And like I graduated almost five years ago. It's nuts. Wow. So you so you did all this stuff and. You know, you, you did a lot of things too. You weren't just doing on-air stuff. You're doing, you know, all behind the camera. I mean, you're, you know, mm-hmm. working in front of the camera. You're reporting, producing. Um, what? And, and, and the spoiler, you know, Emily goes to Bangor and works at a news station as a multimedia <laughs> journalist. Uh, we'll get into that in a sec. So what? Like, you did all these things, right? So like, what kind of edge you on to? Hey, I want to be doing. Uh, I, I, I want to be in front of the camera. I want to be a journalist. You know, it's like, it's just always what I had wanted to do. I I told everybody, you know, I want to be on air. I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, I I mean, I know like when I was at Temple College game day, came to Temple. They came to Philly twice, actually, because they came back for the Army-Navy game. Um, More times than ASU when I was there. Jesus. Yeah. And I I freelanced for them both times that they were there. And I remember the second time that I was a freelancer, they gave me a car. And they were like, you know, Philly, right? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, great. You're just going to be driving talent and producers around all weekend. And I was like, what? You know, and like Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit get in my car. And I'm like, just dead silent. I'm like, I'm not talking to them. Like they're them, you know, like I'm not. And the next day, Reese Davis actually came up to me and was like, you know, he wanted to know who I, what I wanted to do and all that stuff. And I was like, this is you know, and I was talking to him about it and he asked me what we, we, we were doing at Temple. And he was like, well, you're doing all the right things. And to me, I'm like, oh, I have the validation of Reese Davis. Like, that's it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be on air. Um, it's pretty cool. How slow were you driving? How, how, like, were you at the speed limit where these guys were in your car? Like, oh my you, God. You wait, wait. quick, quick side story. Like there was one point at the end, it was Friday night before their shows are on Saturdays, obviously it was Friday night before. And I had to drop one more, their hotels were in center city. Um, and, but their set was in South Philadelphia where all the stadiums are. So that's like about half an hour drive with traffic, you know, on a Friday night and Friday nights get traffic, get crazy in Philly. And, um, 
I was dropped, I dropped the last person off and I was going to drive the car back to the set and then ride with my friend back to temple. Cause he was freelancing for them too, but he wasn't doing, he wasn't driving a car. So I had one more person drop off. My friend jumped in the car with me. I was like, I just got to drop this guy off and then we'll just go home. You know, if you're waiting around for me, just, just take, jump in for the ride. And my boss who was working for game day called me while I was at the hotel. And he was like, where are you right now? I was like, I'm at the hotel about to head back to set. And he was like, well, keep your car there. Cause a bunch of people want to go to dinner. Um, you know, and you're close. So just, you'll do one more, one more drop off. I was like, okay. So I sit in my car and like, like I said, Reese Davis, Herb Street, Lee Fitting, who is the executive producer and somebody else get in my car. And like, my friend John is sitting next to me in the passenger seat. And like, he looks at me, he's just like, dude, oh my God. And I'm just like white knuckling it on the, cause there's so much money in this car right now. Yeah, <laughs> and, there's, um, there's a lot of things in that car. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the guy comes, my boss was in the car in front of me. He came and met up with us cause he was taking people too. And he goes, all right, we're going to be late to dinner. So just tell me we're going to go fast. And I'm like, what? And the guy I was following just starts flying through the streets in center city, Philadelphia. And I'm just like, I'm not breathing, like just trying to keep up with him. Um, and I, I do. And we go to this Italian restaurant in South Philly, you know, that's where I'm dropping these people off. I'm not going. Um, and I drop them off. And like, I remember I like literally was like white, you know, my friend's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like that was the most stressful thing I've ever done. And that's when the next morning Reese Davis came up to me and said, I just wanted to let you know, no, you did a great job driving yesterday. And that's when we started talking because he clearly and, 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 could tell I was stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And, and that gave you, you know, it's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it, mama. Like, yeah, that, that told you I'm ready to go. Is, uh, I, I'm, Reese Davis survived in my car. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that, I, was like, that, I can do anything. Right. That's an amazing story. That, that really is. So, um, you know, I remember, you know, we were we were working at Sports Broadcasting Camp when you were applying for jobs. And I can remember oh, yeah. you, oh my God. you know, flying on buses, talking on the phone constantly. And you actually, we were in Boston uh, working at camp. Yep. And you actually drove up to Bangor to get an interview. I took, you a, took bus. a bus. I took right. a bus. So how many places did you apply? Like what, like what, how did you apply? Like what were you doing? Were you using any connections anywhere? Like I, what was that yeah. process like? You know, it's funny. I, I put up my reel, one of the first... One of the, when I was at probably like in April of college, you know, you graduate in May, I put up my reel, which is, you know, your clips of everything that you've done, um, on cam, you know, to try and get hired. And the first email I got was from a news director in Twin Cities, Washington, which I was willing to move, but like you arguably can't get further from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania than Twin Cities, Washington state, you know? And I was like, <laughs> No, I'm not, you know, there's gotta be other bites, but really I didn't get any other bites. Like I had a bunch of people look over my reel with me. Um, a bunch of people I worked with. I remember one of my mentors sat down with me and he had full notes and I was just such, um, it was Chris Carlin. And I remember him just sitting down with me and he, I, he, I was blown away by how he really took the time to like, look at my stuff and give me solid feedback. Um, and so, you know, I kept applying places, but I wasn't hearing anything. And then finally I threw a connection, which is like, we keep talking about, um, a friend of mine works up in Maine and he, he texted me and said, we're, we're hiring if you're interested. And, um, pretty much within two weeks I, I had that job. So. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. And what affiliate was it out there in Maine, by the way? Uh, it was NBC. Was it? it was new center okay. Maine. We covered the entire state. Got it. So Bangor, Maine, I, 
I'm assuming most people don't know where that is. So how far up is that in Maine? Is it past Portland? Is it before it? It is. Yeah, it's about two hours. It's central Maine. So like the most southern point of Maine to the most northern point is about eight hours driving, which is crazy. It is a haul and a half. But okay. it's about it's about four hours from Boston. Got it. So you you know, and, and and you and like I said, you were prepared to go out there. You know, when you want to be a MMJ, yeah. you want to be on camera, you're gonna go somewhere weird, most likely. So you went somewhere weird for sure. Uh out yeah. in Bangor. And you were doing and you were full-time sports out there? No, I was, um, I guess I can share this story now. I was, uh, I was a regular news reporter. They were thinking, they were kind of like balancing what to do with sports or not. You know, they were like, we don't, my news director didn't like sports and, um, or she didn't see the purpose that they served in a local news sense. So I covered Friday night football. Um, but at all up until a certain point, I was, um, I was hard news. So I covered, I think the first story I did was like a certain part of the state wasn't getting cell reception um, from Verizon. So I did like a whole story on that. And that was, oh my God, that was the first story I did by myself. I was driving. Sounds like a crisis. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Because when you're a multi, when you're an MMJ, that's what they call it. Multimedia journalists, you film your own stories, you video edit your own stories, you write your own stories, you're on camera for all of those stories, you call all the people you need to, that includes law enforcement if you have to, that includes sources or, you know, people, you're on Facebook trying to get people to respond to your messages. I mean, it is truly a one-man band. You are doing absolutely everything. Wow. So you, so you had to do news as well. And obviously you were doing Friday Night Football. So, um, and, and you, and you weren't there too long, right? Was it was it a year? Was it a little bit less? Oh no, I was there for. So I was there for about five or six months, um, and I really was. I was struggling a lot because it's it's so so much work. Um, also, like it was winter, and, like season depression was like getting the best of me, and I was like, three months in, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like this is, this is not. I I just was having a tough time. What was yeah? So let's go into that a little bit. So what was the day-to-day, like, what, what were, like, the main struggles that you were having um, out there? Like, were you, you know, how many hours, like, were you working, like, 80 hours a week? Like, was it crazy like that? Like, what was, yeah, the, like, I mean, what was, were your main struggle points? I mean, I was probably working, like, and you'll see this if you talk to a lot of, of people who work in local news. It, it, you never really can turn it off. You you go in around, you go in around 8 in the morning if you're a regular dayside reporter, and you leave probably around 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. But then you're already, like, stressed out about what you're going to do the next day for your next story because it's all on you. Um, all of my producers and anchors were in Portland, Maine, which was two hours south of where I was. I was kind of, like, in a um, bureau, for lack of a better word. So, like, and I worked weekends, and I was alone a lot. I mean, not only just out in the field was I alone, but I was, like, alone in our office, too. Um which is real. I'm a pretty social person. So that was pretty tough. Um, and like the content we were, co- I had to cover murders, you know, and like, that's just, you're, you're just not prepared for that, you know, to talk to people who suddenly lost a family member or like, it was, it was just really emotionally taxing. And I just can't separate that, you know, from one thing to another. So that was really difficult. Were there any times, you know, you're covering some serious stories and like you said, you were by yourself. Because mm-hmm. you're filming, you're shooting, you're editing. So you're out on the field by yourself too. Were there any times that you felt unsafe when you're reporting? Because this has been a thing that has come up recently where not yeah. just women, but men too have, have had instances where, you know, it's it's been kind of dangerous. Yeah, I was, um, 
there's a time I had to, well, first of all, it got dark so early there, you know, so that stunk every time I went out in the dark, but I didn't really think about it a lot, you know, being unsafe, but I went and covered a, a murder suicide once in Temple, Maine, which was about two and a half hours one way from me. And I remember getting there and, um, other crews were there, you know, some alone, some had other people to help them though. And I just remember looking around and being like, and I was like the lead in all of our evening shows. Cause that's a really big deal, especially in Maine, not a lot of crime happens up there. And I was knocking on doors by myself, trying to get people to talk to me. And like, now I look back on it and like, thank God I didn't think about it then. But I'm like, what if like, I just knocked on a door by myself and like somebody just pulled me in. Do you know what I mean? Or like, it was yeah. like, it was also in 2016 where like, fake news media was a really big thing, you know? And like, I was in an area of the country where people love to yell that at you. Um, so that, yeah, for sure. I, I felt on being alone, like MMJs, people in news, you should not be alone. You just should not be alone at all. It's crazy how alone people are. And, you know, and you said you, when you went to temple with a lot of people who were, I'm assuming went kind of down a similar route as you, at least at the beginning of their career, did, did you feel like other people were kind of, experiencing those similar struggles where the job is very demanding, no matter where you are, you could be in the yeah. middle of nowhere. And you, you, like I said, the news is on you. Right. Um, but it, you know, were people going through similar struggles as you, you felt like, and you know, kind of like what you did kind of leave that side of the business. Yeah. You know, it's funny. A, a bunch of my friends have, but when I was in Maine, one of my best friends, Kylie Winkler, um, she was working in local news as well. And in, in, um, in Maryland. And we would call each other probably every day, seriously, every day, and just talk about whatever crazy things we had dealt with, you know? And like, sometimes we would laugh and sometimes we would just cry, you know? And it was like, thank, I'm literally in her wedding and in the fall, like she's one of my best friends. Um, and we were close and we went to temple together, but we were, we were close in college, but like, we really got close working in local news. Cause like, you just got to lean on each other. You know, it's so hard was and what was like kind of your moment where you were like because you not only just left being remain you left the mj just like business entirely so like what was yeah. was there a certain moment where you're like okay i want to start looking at production well i was home i so my birthday is two days after christmas um my flight i was going home for christmas and my birthday and i flew out christmas morning and my flight home was canceled on the, and I've been looking forward to this for months, you know, and my flight home was canceled on the runway because of a snowstorm and Christmas my is very sacred in my house. And, uh, I was a mess. I mean, I was, I was sobbing on the plane. I couldn't believe we didn't take off. You know, we kept de-icing and I'm like, just take off, take off. And, and it was, it was canceled on the runway. And, um, I remember walking off the plane, calling my mom because I had asked her if I should drive the night before because I saw the snow coming. And she was like, just, you know, you have the flight, just take the flight. And I was stranded for Christmas. And um, that's when I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm done. Like, this is, I mean, you have to work holidays in news anyway, but like the way that I've been looking forward to this trip and Christmas is my favorite holiday of the year. Like I was devastated. And um I went and I, I called somebody, you know, I called American Airlines help desk and they helped me get on a flight the next day. The, the gentleman was very, very nice. I'll never forget that. The guy who helped me. Um, but I went to the gas station and I got 
two bottles of wine, a pizza and Ben and Jerry's. And that's how I spent my Christmas day. And the next day I got on the flight and I was like, I back home for a few days. And I was like, I got to figure something out. This is, this is too much. So when you, so you, so were you applying, like, did you, did you quit or did you apply for jobs while still working at the station? Well, when I went home for my birthday I, and Christmas, you know, I, I met out with a bunch of my friends in um, Philly for my birthday. And one of my friends there had just started working for CBS sports and they were starting this network called CBS sports HQ. And he asked me if I'd be interested in taking a job with them. And it was behind the scenes. And I was like, you know what? Like, cause I would wake up, go to the studio for a hot second. And then I would have to, cause the way that it's like this in a lot of rural areas and local news, you have to drive at least an hour to whatever story you're going to, right? Like it's just so much movement all day long. And, um, he was, I was like, is it in one building? He was like, yeah. I was like, then yes, I would be very much interested. Wow, that's all it took. Was, do we also, do it was all sports and I wanted to do all sports. So it was like, yeah, National Network in one building and in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yes, that sounds amazing. That's, that. wow. You know, it didn't sound like it took a lot. So uh, so you, you get, you get the job. So you, you, you work, what, were, what was your, what was your title when you first got there at CBS Sports? Um, I was hired as a digital line producer. So CBS Sports HQ is a 24-7 sports streaming network. You can watch it on any of your desktop, laptop, phone, apps, all that stuff. Um, And I made sure that we were on the air all the time, whether we were live or in pre-recorded content, because obviously you can't stay live 24 hours a day. And I made sure that all of that content was relevant and newsy. You know, like I made sure like we would preview the Sixers game and at seven o'clock I would stop running that preview because the game started at seven. Do you know what I mean? So like I was just making sure the network looked good, sounded good and was right. So, um, okay. So, well, first of all, so you're going from Bangor, Maine, way up there to uh, Fort Lauderdale. So that had to be a nice transition, right? To, uh, I drove, uh, I remember the day after I gave my two weeks, um, also, you know, in an effort to um, to kind of appease my sports wants, my my news director was very kind when I was at, still at the local news station, and she put me on the Patriots playoff coverage, which was amazing. Um, and uh, I got to go to three Patriots games. Two of them were the playoffs, and I put in my two weeks, three weeks before the Super Bowl, and they would have sent me to the Super Bowl, and the Patriots ended up losing to the Eagles in that Super Bowl. And I still think about that all the time, like – you know, that, that's so nuts. Um, and I remember in the parking lot of Gillette after the AFC championship, I listened to the Eagles win the NFC championship on my phone. And uh, my coworkers were like, um, you, you got to tell CBS they can wait. Like we got to go, you know, this is, <laughs> this, this is, you can't give this up. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, and my first day with CBS was the day after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And I drove from Maine to Florida, which I think is like a 36-hour drive. Yeah, it sounds like a drive. Yeah. I mean, all 95, you literally don't get off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Well, you, you know, I, I can't say the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was a great day for me. Um, yeah. But, yeah obviously, Giants, two that, Super Bowl wins. We all beat yeah, Tom Brady, right? Yeah, so that's yeah exactly. It's, it's easy. It's very easy to do. You know, not a big deal. Uh, right. So... So you, uh, yeah, so that actually, it seems that's a nice kind of fitting for you. Just, you know, Eagles win the Super Bowl. I'm starting a new journey and I'm, I'm starting here at CBS Sports, this brand yeah. new station. So like, 
Right. Cause like it, it wasn't that old when you went there, like you said. So like what, like going in there, like what was that experience like being down there? Like this is a brand new network and it sounded like there was, this was like a pretty young group of people running this thing. Right. It, it, yeah, dude. Like, I mean, it was, um, a bunch of 20, 30 somethings and, you know, our managers just trying to get this 24 hour sports network off the ground. Um, I worked at night and I worked weekends and like when you work those hours, you get, you know, the, the people that I worked with were awesome. Thank God I liked them. You know, um, it was, um, it was crazy. It was a lot of trial and error, you know, like me sitting in the office on a Sunday when I first started, I would get so stressed out because I had a lot of responsibility and I had some training, but it was a lot of learning on the fly. And uh, I would get so stressed out at work. I wouldn't eat. My coworkers would joke if uh, I was eating, like people would be like, Oh no, something bad's going to happen. Emily has time to eat, you know? Um, and I remember when LeBron signed with the Lakers, I had ordered this giant chicken parm. I did, he hadn't signed yet. It was like a Sunday. It was so quiet. We had like no staff. Cause it was like the summer and um, you know, people were off and, I was just about to, to bite into my chicken parm and my friend was like, hey. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, LeBron just signed with the Lakers. And he was so calm about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, no, he just signed with the Lakers. And I, I was like, we've been talking about this for weeks. Like, why are you, this is fake. And he literally just turned his computer around, showed me the press release. And he was like, yeah, our night's ruined. <laughs> like, I never got to eat my chicken parm. I was so upset. That's what happens sometimes, though. Like, especially, you know, you would think the summer, right? Because that happens in July. So it's like you got to pray. The NBA phrase is like the main thing you're just like kind of waiting for, right? It's like you're yeah. just praying like, God, nothing huge, nothing huge, nothing huge. Oh, damn it. There is no free agency free. like NBA free agency. It is right. absolute chaos. It's crazy. So was that like, like, cause like you said, you're kind of like almost waiting for things to come at you like that. Like was how, was that fun? Like, was it like, I know you're um, stressed out. You said you wouldn't eat, but like, what was like, did you feel like a kind of adrenaline when like those things were happening in the studio and in, in the control room? Yeah, no, it was, it was super, super cool. I mean like the, our, so we launched in February and that, that we launched we launched in March, I guess, of, of 2018. And that following football season, that upcoming football season, we had the Super Bowl. So that was the whole lead up. It was like, we are we are going to get the Super Bowl this year. So like we launched, but we are really going to market ourselves for our, our hard launch, you know, like CBS Sports HQ is a real thing for the Super Bowl. Um, so being in the control room for that Super Bowl was really awesome. Um, and uh, just... You know, it's it's like covering crazy stories. Like I'm trying to think of stuff that really like just like I walked. Up. I mean, like covering Kobe, that was crazy. Um, covering when sports shut down, that was crazy. You know, I mean, CBS had March Madness. You know, we're a huge carrier of that tournament. And when Rudy Gobert got coronavirus, that all changed. Um, so in the beginning, I think I was really stressed out just cause like, I kind of was like the dog at the desk with the suit on. We were like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, but I figured it out eventually. And it became more about like the stuff that we were covering than it did the, uh, me getting in my own head, you know? Got it. And, and now, and some of that was when you were in Stanford too, right? Some of those. News yeah. Stories. Yeah. So about 10 months into Fort Lauderdale, we opened up a brand new studio in Stanford, Connecticut. And, um, they asked me if I wanted to move up here. And I said, you know what, after some, after some talks with my managers, uh, 
made the move, came back up to the Northeast. Plus it's, it's a drive away from Philly. You know, I've been away from Philly for about a year and a half and I was like, that's enough. I can be closer now. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, Stanford, like you said, we both live up here now. Mm-hmm. Stanford isn't that far from Philly. I've done the drive myself um, before and it, it really isn't that far. So like was, how refreshing was that for you to like be relatively close to your family and like, you know, if you need to take a couple, you know, even if it's just like a two day, if you have two days off, like you can do that drive easily. So what, how was that, was that like refreshing for you? Was that like a weight off your shoulders? Cause it sounds like your family is very important to you and you went through a lot of stuff, especially in Maine. And I'm, I'm sure you had went through some struggles in Fort Lauderdale as well, but how, how kind of nice and, and refreshing was it to have, knowing you had that support close by um, rather than making it always like a phone call or a FaceTime away. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, a bunch of my friends live in Philly too, still. Um, and it's so funny because like when I lived in Maine, only one of my friends came to visit me, Gabby. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. It's winter in Maine. Nobody's coming to visit me. I moved to Fort Lauderdale and I was getting texts every week. What are you doing? When can I come visit? When can I'm like, oh my God, you guys are just using my apartment as a hotel. <laughs> like it was Basically, so you got spring break all year. You know, they, they're going to take advantage. You go, you're yeah, a bunch I, of young 20 year olds. Why not? <laughs> friend Brad I think came and visited me like literally five times I was down there for 10 months um but I uh it was great to come back and be a drive away my parents were super happy um especially you know being on the receiving end of so many phone calls I had with them when I was in Maine and like I was just like sobbing you know like for that for me to move back here um was a huge relief plus to see like my my grandmother was back here my aunts my cousins like it just worked out really well Plus being near New York, like who doesn't love New York, you know? Yeah, that's pretty cool too. So when you, you're up in, when you're up in Stanford, um, so like kind of, you did a lot of jobs to be a sports HQ, right? You had a multi, you you went through a couple ladders up there. So kind of just explain, I know you kind of did already, but like kind of explain the various jobs you had when you came to Stanford, like, you know, quickly, like what you kind of do and like what each job job kind of entailed. Yeah. So I did, um, I eventually became manager of content strategy with CBS Sports HQ, which basically I just um, helped manage our team of digital line producers, which was the role I was originally hired for. Um, And I made sure that all of the content we were producing was going to our website correctly. So like, say like Iowa played Illinois in basketball and we did the highlight. I made sure that when we did the highlight, it was correct. It looked good running on our network. And I also would label it in a way where it was sent to our website and it would attach to the box score. So like if you were like checking scores on your phone and wanted to watch the highlight, like I made sure that was there. Um, and that, you know, for across all, all sports that we did, um, I did graphics too. So like all of those full screens and animations and lowers, like I, I knew how to do that. Um, that wasn't my main job. The digital line producing was my main job. Um, but like a a good example, I mean, a a crazy example of me, what, what I did on a daily basis. So like March 13th, 2020, I walk into work and as of right then we knew that we thought that sports was, was gonna, we thought sports were still going to be played. Right. And then, you know, I'll never forget sitting in my chair and my, I wear a wear a uh, headset when I was in the control room so I could communicate with people on different floors and also around the room. And one of my producers got in my ear and was like, Hey, Rudy Gobert has coronavirus, you know? And I'm like, 
oh, well, that changes everything. And we went, you know, our anchors were on desk set and we went live right away. Um, and um, we were live, you know, probably for the next four hours. I mean, honestly, even longer than that. But what I was doing then is I was taking all that content we were producing and sending it out to our website and our, our stream. And it was like, you know, what Rudy Gobert's coronavirus diagnosis means for the NBA. And then the NBA season got suspended. So you went from there and it was like, it was just crazy. You know, it's just live production. Yeah. For four hours. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I, I mean, it was not even for... seriously. It was nuts. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. So, you know, kind of just, you know, just sticking with CBS Sports HQ, the, the, the concept is like a unique thing. Really, I don't, uh, no other network has really done what that, what CBS Sports HQ kind of is. It's 24-7, right? Things are, you could, you could watch it anywhere. You're, you're right. You don't even need a TV provider, right? You can just kind of just watch it. Yeah, it's, on, so, it's free. It's on Paramount Plus if you pay for Paramount Plus. Like what's so crazy about us and like we had various people, you know, talent from other networks even reach out to us because if there was breaking news, we could be up with it in minutes, minutes. I mean, I remember one time we were doing, uh, it was a Sunday and we were in the Packers highlight. We were doing the Packers highlight live on our network. And in the Packers highlight, we saw Adam Schefter's tweet that um, Mike McCarthy had been fired. And um, who was the Packers head coach at the time. And I said it out loud. And so did somebody else in the control room. We were literally 30 seconds from finishing the highlight. And my producer turned to us. He said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, it's Schefter, you know, like, and we had an analyst who was going to be on talking anyway and um, about the game. And, you know, our producer was like, hey, um, Mike McCarthy just got fired. We're going to talk to you about it. And I think we, 30 seconds of that tweet being sent, we were off talking about Mike McCarthy being fired, you know, and we have that notification out there and we have it on our website and we have it everywhere. So like we could cover breaking news like extensively quicker and um, more efficient than most of our competitors could, for sure. Do you see, I mean, CBS Sports HQ has grown. You guys, there's been a lot of, you know, you guys did like the, I know like high school recruiting is a big component of it too. Oh right? yeah. Yep. Huge. Um, sports. Yep. Two, yep. Two, yeah. It's part of, it's owned by CBS, part of CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you're a football recruiting nut or in basketball, you know, two, two, four, seven. Um, yeah. wh- do you see it? Do you see it like continuing to grow? Like what, like what is kind of like the main goal of CBS Sports HQ um, that you think will like kind of like be, it's, it's different for all the other networks, but like, do you think it continue? Like how big do you think it continues? Yeah. I mean, our numbers only get better and better. I say our, like I'm still, I still work there. Um, but the numbers just, just kept growing and growing and you know, they they're, they're doing soccer stuff now. They're doing the two, four, seven sports stuff. Now with, we do live high school commits, you know, like there's so many other facets of sports that, that they are exploring. Um, and just based on how it's grown already, I, I would definitely expect it to grow more. So like you said, you said we, and you're not there anymore. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so, I mean, you were there, I mean, so you were there like a total of four years between Fort Lauderdale and Stanford about four yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, what led you to to kind of move on? Like, what was like, was it something you were thinking of always? Like, what was kind of your mindset? Um, I know you've always, uh, I, know, I know you and me have, have talked personally. If, and if this isn't, you know, if you let me know if this is too, too personal, but I've known that we've always, you've kind of always given the advice of you should look for something 
a diff- in sports media, you should almost look for a job every six months or so. You should. I think. I think it's so important. Like to go back to the whole networking thing. Like, just keep in touch with everyone, right? Like, and just always be talking to people that you've worked with. And you're at NBC. I was with CBS. When you get to that, le- it's a small, small world at the top. You know, I mean, pe- everybody knows everybody. Um, and so I would always kind of be on the lookout for, for something else. I think it's really important to not be stagnant and just always be, um, you know, but also invest in where you are. And I, I love CB, I love CBS. Um, but an opportunity came up with this new company called morning brew, and it was very similar in terms of kind of where CBS was when I started with them, you know, um, and we're very young and we're looking to grow and do all of these things. And, I worked at night and I worked weekends, um, which is what you do in sports. But after four years of it, it get, it's exhausting, you know, and you miss out on a lot. Um, and I wouldn't, I would never take anything that was better than what I already had because I, I got very, very lucky with CBS and all the opportunities I had there. Um, but, uh, you know, a old coworker of mine and I had been talking, he'd started working with them and one thing led to another. And, um, here I am. I'm a morning brew now. So now I'm, you know, gonna watch the Sixers from my couch instead of a control room, which is kind of different. But so, so you, you kind of so you mentioned like, yeah, like it 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 was kind of draining for you to work that many nights and weekends and you know, maybe missing certain events. I don't know if I'm sure I, I know I've missed weddings and things like that. Yeah. So it did it that really took a toll on you, uh, you know, four years doing that because you know, obviously going to the sports, it's a big thing. It's like you know that that's kind of the deal. So it, it, it just like, you know, you go in excited, right? And it was just something that kind of, you know, eventually you were just ready to move on from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's so funny because I'm two or three weeks into this new job and like I like have all this like time at night now. And I'm like, what do I do? You know, because for four years, like I just worked at night and I would come home and I would go to bed. Um, and that that's honestly been more of a struggle than I thought it would um, kind of not working at night anymore. Um, but I'm figuring it out as, as we all have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I really didn't mind it. Cause again, I worked with really great people. I mean, there were times when you were like, Oh God, I wish I could go on a trip with my friends or like, you know, I'm in a group text with a bunch of my friends who live back in Philly and they'll like, be like, can you come down for a happy hour on Saturday or whatever? And I'm like, no, like guys, I live 150 miles away. Like I can't, and I work at night. What do you mean? Can I come? You know what I mean? But like now I can. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So kind of explain, like, I know we kind of talked about morning brew. Kind of explain what you're doing. And like you said, you're trying to grow this with them. Right. This is a newer company that, you know, you, that I think most people know it. If you do know morning brew, you mainly know it as like your week, you can get like a, a daily email basically of like your news yeah. and stuff. So like, what are they like? when they hired you, like, so they're definitely obviously trying to pivot into media and in different kind of platforms. So like, what is, what do you, have you been doing? Like, what is like, I know you've only been there a few weeks. So like, what's the goal of like what your job's going to be looking like? Like just kind of, I know you kind of talked about a little bit, but just explain a little bit more of what, what it's, what are you doing there? Yeah. So I'm a part of obviously our video team. Um, I am, I was, it's funny, but the day I was hired, which was Valentine's Day, also my last day at CBS was the Super Bowl when the my first day was the day after the Super Bowl. So very poetic. Um, so I started Valentine's Day and 
I started with about six other people in my department. So they were there. They were like, we're, we are hiring people, you know? So we have about 10 people now, which is awesome. Um, you know, small, but we're growing it. And the goal is, is just like, like right now I'm primarily focused on podcasts. So, um, our executive chairman and one of our co-founders has two podcasts that I'm working on. Um, and I'll work on the YouTube cuts of that stuff. And we do a lot of social stuff and, uh, TikToks and, um, you know, just kind of capitalizing on like trendy things that are going on in a very witty and smart way. Um, the company did start as a, as a newsletter, I believe about seven years ago. Um, and, uh, basically it was two guys who went to Michigan and they, I think they were business majors and somebody was complaining about having to read the wall street journal every day. Cause it's so befuddled and, you know, kind of, annoyingly doesn't cater to the average Joe, right? Our, so our attention spans are also way short these days. I feel like so that might be a part of it too. So, yeah, exactly. So the two guys started a newsletter that was basically like the wall street journal, but it's really funny and engaging and you, you do learn stuff, you know? So like from there it really grew. And then business insider brought the company two years ago or a year and a half ago. Um, and so now it's just like, I think there are over 200 employees there now, which is crazy. You know, they were like a year and a half ago, we had 40. So you know, the goal is just to pump out content and kind of become a media company conglomerate type of thing. Plus, it's in New York City. And, um, you know, I've always wanted to work in New York. So that was a big selling point for me. I know you're leaving, the, you're leaving Stanford soon. It breaks my heart. It really does. <laughs> uh, but you will be, yes, you will be, you know. I'll be here all summer. <laughs> yeah, the city's going to miss you. They definitely will. But, yeah, you got a summer to, to crank things out before you head down there. Um, so it, it's kind of, you know, I, I think it's, it's I find it fascinating, right? Because, like. You know, in, when you're working like in television control, it's it's linear in a sense of you're kind of just reacting on the fly. There's a certain set of things, but you can't, you know, you're not really going into like, unless you're working on like a feature, you're not really going to like incredible detail. Like the creativity right. is limited in a sense. So it's just kind of refreshing that you're, you can like, now you're making these sort of videos, like you got like a new creative spin on things that you probably wouldn't have, haven't really been able to do in such a long time from working in, yeah, you know, oh as an MJ and, and, and yep. production. It's so funny you say that because it is, it's exactly like that. I, you know, I was working on a couple of videos today and I got, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe I can try to do this. And I did it. And it like, you know, it was like, oh, that's so, I forgot what it's like to like, like I missed a meeting today or not missed it, but I was like 10 minutes late. Cause I was so locked in on a video edit. And I was like, oh my God, like I, I have this meeting, um, which, you know, my previous job, it was all live production and which is it's, as you know, it's completely different, you know? So it's been cool to kind of flex the creative juices as opposed to like the reactive ones yeah and it's just a new aspect and and like i said i think a lot of you know companies you know it's it's just i, I find it always interesting like i don't think 10 years ago your job would you know your 10 years ago your jobs wouldn't exist it's just it's it's amazing how kind of like any normal company now needs some sort of video content like department really or like some sort of content department they're just it's another set of i get a pr to promote things and you know, how many, how many CEO podcasts do we see these days? It's like, Oh, the CEO, like he, you know, he, right. he's like one of us. It's kind of like, so that's always fascinating to me. And, um, I, you know, do you have other friends that kind of have similar jobs where they're not working in sports, but they're working like, you know, for, I'm just going to say Morgan Stanley as like an example, but it's like any kind of company where, you know, like I said, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you, they would have never oh, had yeah. any of this department. Yeah, it's because everybody's on social media now, you know, you you and you need to invest if you want to be a company that's relevant in that space. You can't just 
you got to bring in people who know what they're doing, you know, with a video camera and, and with producing and with writing and with editing, you know, and so a bunch of my friends from college have kind of transitioned into that because there's such a need for it now, you know? Do you think you'll ever go back into sports? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I don't know in what capacity, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I've kind of, I had like an identity crisis for a while because I wanted to be this on air girl for so long and I finally got to do it and I didn't want to do it anymore, you know? So I, I'll never say never to anything because I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. It's kind of funny how things, you know, turn out sometimes, you know, you're, yeah. you're literally in Bangor, one Bangor, Maine, one minute <laughs> and you're on the other side of the country and then another. Um, <laughs> so kind of just wrapping things up here, like, you know, obviously, you, I think you made a great point. Connections are so important. Uh, networking is very important. And you were definitely a go-getter from the jump, it sounds like. And you really, you know, like, kind of put yourself out there. Um, and, you know, don't you, you definitely weren't afraid to talk to really anyone. It sounds like you're, you're you know, Chris, I, for, and you mentioned Chris Carlin before. And if you don't know who he is, he's, you know, he's been huge in not only Philly sports radio, but New York sports radio as well. Um, he's also the voice of, I think, Rutgers football. If I believe, yeah. Right? So he's a pretty big yeah. deal. You know, and like I said, he really helped you out. And you, I know you have a great relationship with him and, you know, zoom off too. like, I mean, play, play at six years. It really doesn't, it doesn't get much bigger than that. I know. I know. And of course, you know, he retired and now like the Sixers have James Harden and everything. And I'm like, and I love their, they have a new, um, play by play, uh, Kate Scott and she's awesome. But still it's like, God, Mark, right. When we could have gone all the way, who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, so I, I get, I mean, if, if, I think we know, I would ask everyone like their number one advice, like to basically get to their high school self, a younger person that wants to be in the business. I think you kind of hit it already pretty much. It's like networking kind of really set you on this path. Is there anything else or is that just kind of, you know, is that the main thing that you would give advice to someone that wants to be in sports media and, you know, to kind of like, and, and I think you have your great story where you didn't really focus on just one part of media. You weren't just wanting to do live television. You, you did so many different aspects What's like some of the big advice that you would give to, to someone young right now? I would just say network and network, network. And if they don't email you back, send another one. And if they leave you on red, then maybe just move on. You know, there, you know, we all run into people who we would love for us to, to help us. And, you know, sometimes people just aren't receptive, but like, seriously, if you're young, go after it, you know, like, cause people are so much more willing to help you when you're a kid and you show drive than they are when you're older, you know, and it's, uh, because when you're older, you don't, you know, I'm hesitant to recommend people for certain things all the time. Cause I don't know what their, their work ethic is, you know, but if you're a kid and you're, you're looking for a kick in the door or something like, and you're already asking for emails or just, can you give me feedback on my stuff or how do I get to where you are? You know, clearly you're driven. So like the younger, like just, just, network and, and people are more accessible than ever dm them you know email them find their email online like not in a creepy stalker way but just like <laughs> you know start building out and even like always um never burn any bridges unless you have to you know because you truly never know who you're gonna run into like you and i both live in stanford connecticut you know like who would have thought that would be the case when we were in um at sports broadcasting yeah and we were we, st we stayed in touch the whole time the whole time yep, so. exactly so just like just be kind don't burn bridges because you never know how you guys how you and your friends can help one another down the road 
you know. Ha- and have other have people like younger people reach out to you? Have you been able to return the favor yet? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's. I mean, younger people um, is a loose term. There are definitely some young. I know. I made. I made you sound like you were like a. A, a dinosaur right there. I apologize. You're not much older than me. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm 27 and washed now. It's fine. Right. Um, but no, I mean like my, um, a friend of mine, Erin, she reached out to me for, you know her as well, but she reached out to me months ago for an informational interview. You know, we went to temple together, but she was like four years younger than me. Um, just to like kind of connect and, and talk. And, um, you know, I ended up helping her get a job at CBS. So it's just like, it's, one thing can lead to another really quick. You never know. So Okay. And just to kind of cap things off here, where can people find you? You got anything to promote with Morning Brew? Any, <laughs> any big stuff coming up? You got, I know you've been working hard on your projects. You haven't really been able to showcase anything yet. But like, what, what are some big things coming up? Uh, big things coming up. Um, we have a couple like, for work. We have a couple podcast episodes coming out that I'm pretty amped about. Um, so if you want to see them... You can follow me on Twitter at mmilliron, um, and also see my crazy Sixers tweets. Um, they're good. They're good. But yeah, but really, I would just you know, or you know, throw me throw me a connect on LinkedIn. You know, Emily Milliron, that's me. But other than that, I I've got no content to promote. It's just uh, me and my me and my Sixers tweets, and maybe some podcasts. You know, once they're finally up and out. But I, I would just say for people, if you do start to follow Emily, she got some good. She's got some good stuff. She she knows. <laughs> You wear social media very well. She's got her own <laughs> memes. That baby picture kills me every time I see it. Oh, when it's some God. sort of it's really taking on a life of its own. Yeah, it's 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 huge. If you follow her, you'll you'll learn about it quick. Uh, but Emily Milliron, a producer and editor at Morning Brew, formerly also at CBS Sports, um, and uh, a lot of other things. Uh, whether it was you know being an MJ yeah. in Maine, Thank you. doing you basically. Thank you. <laughs> a concierge in in temp in a, in a college game day, doing everything in Temple, making sure people don't die in the streets of Philly or getting in a car crash. Uh, Emily, I can't thank you enough. Uh, go check her stuff out. I'm very excited to see what you're going to do at Morning Brew. And thank you once again uh, for coming on. Thank you.